0: This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and thank you for joining me. As always, our NFL draft uh, division by division recap shows continue. If you missed our first one, we covered the NFC East where we talked about the Dallas Cowboys, New York Giants, Philadelphia Eagles, and Washington Commanders draft. Sharing my thoughts, favorite picks, value picks, questionable picks, talking about the entire class for each and every one of those teams in the NFC East. Tonight, we turn our attention to the AFC East. And let's start right there with the Buffalo Bills. In round one, at pick 25 overall, they took Utah tight end Dalton Kincaid. In the second round, pick 59, they took Florida offensive guard Osiris Torrance. In the third round, at pick 91 overall, they took Tulane linebacker Dorian Williams. In the fifth round, at pick 150 overall, they took Florida wide receiver Justin Shorter. In the 7th round, they took Mississippi offensive guard Nick Broker. And also in the 7th round, they took Oregon State cornerback Alex Austin. I'll start with my favorite pick. It was the trade-up to Leapfrog Dallas, even though it sounds like Dallas wasn't going to take him, to take tight end Dalton Kincaid. When you look at that Bills offense, they have struggled to have another guy be a high impactful. Uh, pass-catching weapon, right? We thought Gabriel Davis was going to be that guy. He's had bits and pieces and glimpses of, of being a star, but has not been uh, consistently a very good player. So I think there's a lot of uncertainty surrounding him. Dawson Knox is a nice tight end, but he, he's, a, he's, a, he's a solid starting tight end in the NFL. Good blocker, can do some stuff in the passing game, but it's basically been Stefan Diggs' And they have struggled to have another high-impactful weapon for Josh Allen. And I think that's what Kincaid is going to offer. I think he's mostly going to be a big slot for them. They drafted Khalil Shakir last year. Gabriel Davis is still there. But I look at a guy like Kincaid, and yeah, I was surprised that he was locked in as a first-round pick. Now, he ended up falling more than some people thought. I never really understood the mid-teens talk for him. But I think pick 25, you start talking to about four wide receivers were off the board. You know, what was the next way they can get a, a, a piece there from the pass-catching side? I think Dalton Kincaid was that guy. I personally liked him even more than Quinton Johnston. Uh So I look at that. The only guy I maybe would have taken ahead of him. And obviously that would have been a a big reach to take Jalen Hyatt when he fell all the way into the low seventies. But I could have seen that fit with Josh Allen and been like, yeah, Jalen Hyatt and Josh Allen would go really well together. But I think they're looking for another guy who could really attack the seam, be a guy who could really be effective there in that offense. We know Stefan Diggs is going to be double teamed. He's going to, you know, and if they run two tight end sets, Dalton Kincaid is going to get matched up a lot against nickel corners. He's going to have a size advantage on a lot of those guys. If he gets matched up against safeties, he's going to be quicker and faster than those guys. If he gets matched up at a linebacker, that's going to create mismatches. So a lot of mismatches that Dalton Kincaid can create. So you tie that with the attention that You know, Josh Allen always needs somebody spying on him because of his running capabilities. And we know it's Stefan Diggs. And, you know, and I think James Cook is going to have a breakout year this year and he's a weapon at a, at a backfield that it's going to involve Kincaid being given a lot of opportunities to really see coverage that, that he could take advantage of. So I really like the pick. I like the aggressive move and moving up. A couple picks to make sure they go get him because I think he was the last of the guys who were going to go in round one who could be a weapon in ter- a real weapon in terms of the pass catching core. And I love that they pivoted. If they pivoted, uh, if they wanted one of the wide receivers, we'll never know. Uh, but the, the move to go up and make sure they got Kincaid, you know, I like the aggressive nature in that. Uh, the value pick, Osiris Torrance. So I know I don't like to go one two with these value favorite pick and value pick, but Osiris Torrance was a guy that was mocked in many many round one mocks. Now he is a he is a one st- one style type player. He's really a guy who's going to be in a in a power gap run offense. But I mean, in that situation, we're talking about a guy who's got like you know very good to great you know capabilities. This guy's got some Pro Bowl potential. This is a guy who can be a dominant run blocker. And while I thought maybe that the first round was a little rich for a guy who was a little bit scheme dependent, I, I thought he would be gone within the first 10, 15 picks of, of round two. So to see him fall to 59, I thought it was a tremendous value pick. I didn't put it as my favorite pick or value pick, but I do really like the two lane linebacker pick of Dorian Williams. Uh, obviously they had a, a gaping hole uh due to free agency at the linebacker position. And I think Tulane linebacker Dorian Williams brings this athletic component, sideline to sideline. You know, they're they're trying to replace Tremaine Edwards, uh Tremaine Evans and you know, the guy like Dorian Williams, I think could really fill in uh a lot of that athleticism that they lost, uh when Edmonds left, and I think Williams is a guy who I thought was going to be a round three pick uh, due to the athleticism, and, and he comes off the board exactly where I expected. I think he he's a he's a good need pick for Buffalo, but also appropriate value there as well. My questionable pick was Justin Shorter, and again, I don't love criticizing you know fifth round picks, but I I do sometimes think in the fifth round you can you can critique a little bit. Six and seven they have a harder time with. There was just other wide receivers. I mean, he's a former big time five star recruit. Uh, but there were some other receivers, you know, particularly A.T. Perry, that I, I would have been a little bit more uh a fan of it, with that pick. So there was a couple ways I would have gambled and, and, and rolled the dice on you know on Keyshawn Booty. So guys like, you know, Perry and Booty are a couple wide receivers that, that I thought had a lot higher ceiling than Justin Shorter. So I, I still don't mind the pick. I think he's an interesting value uh interesting pick at pick 150, but there was a couple other wide receivers still on the board that I I thought offered a higher upside. And had shown more on film in Perry and even Booty in the games that we serve him you know be dominant in college more than shorter that I would I would have preferred either one of those two a couple other receivers out there too that I, I think I would have liked more than shorter so not just even those two so that would be my one critique of the Buffalo draft if we keep this going to the Miami Dolphins they did not have a lot of picks uh due to mostly trades and also the tampering allegations that 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 they were found Guilty of with Tom Brady. But in the second round, I pick 51. They took South Carolina cornerback Cam Smith. In the third round, they take at pick 84, Texas A&M running back Devin A. Chain. In the sixth round, they take Stanford wide receiver slash tight end. The rumors are more tight end, Elijah Higgins. And then in round seven, to pick 238. They take Michigan offensive tackle Ryan Hayes. My favorite pick far and away, and I'll even say it's a value pick also, is Devin A. Chain out of Texas A&M. He was my RB three. I thought he should have been a guy who came off the board early, early round two due to his big play ability, his speed, his explosiveness. I just love it. What, what the Dolphins have there with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell, and now you add Devin A. Chain. There's no other offense, maybe, in the history of the NFL that had three players that have legit. 4-3, sub-4-3 speed in the building. Because I think A-chain when he plays, we see 4-3 type speed. I know he was just slightly above that. But we're talking three guys that have legit 4-3 or better speed in that offense that are talented, skilled players. We know how great Jalen Waddell and Tyree Kill are. Now you add Devin A-chain, you add that Kyle Shanahan that now Mike McDaniels runs outside, ski, outside run zone, you're going to get Devin A. Chain on the perimeter in that outside zone run scheme, and you are going to see home run plays after home run plays. So the fit, the value, me liking the player, it's one of my favorite picks in the entire draft. It's my, it's arguably my favorite landing spot of any player team marriage in the entire draft. Love the Devin A. Chain pick. I think the ability he's going to bring there in the run game to complement what they have there right now in most third and, and Jeff Wilson. And now you're going to add Devin A. Chain to that mix and that speed and that explosiveness. It's hard not to, to love this pick. Love the, 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 the fit everything with this and its good value. What I labeled as my actual value pick was Elijah Higgins. The rumors are they're going to convert him, uh, to a tight end, which I think that in, intrigues me even more than if he was a wide receiver but the truth of the matter is whether he's labeled a tight end or a receiver he's going to be he's going to be a big slot if, if that's a move tight end that's fine too uh my question is they didn't really take advantage of they had a move tight end and who basically played the slot of Mike Iseki and they were really looking to get rid of him right he, he didn't really fit their role too much because the offense they want to run how much they kick Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell inside anyway So does he fit well schematically? I have question marks. But getting him in the sixth round, the athlete that he is at the size he is, and if he's going to move into tight end, that's just going to make his athleticism even more appealing. So I do think it was a good value pick. I also think Cam Smith came off the board right around where he should have. I like Cam Smith, the player. I think he steps right in there and could be a starting cornerback. Uh, for the Dolphins as well if we're going to questionable decisions obviously the tampering f- and then not even getting Tom Brady that stands out and then just trading most of their picks right but it's hard to argue with their trades they traded a third round pick this year that they had for Jalen Ramsey I'd rather Jalen Ramsey on a team that's looking to win right now than a third round pick they traded a fifth round pick for Jeff Wilson there, who was very effective when he got there. They the fourth and the sixth was used as part of the package to get Tyree Kill, and then they also traded pick twenty nine for Bradley Chubb. I I do think the Bradley Chubb one is a little bit debatable whether I love that trade in hindsight, but the other ones I have no gripes with. Uh, but I think the Bradley Chubb one maybe you can you can find a little bit of question in there and then obviously the tampering and then not even getting Tom Brady, you know, obviously questionable decision uh, there, but, but all in all, when you take into account the players they got by using their draftable picks, you know, it's hard not to think that look at this and and say Miami, you know, got a lot for this draft class, especially since they didn't have a first round pick due to the tampering. They had that second first round pick that they, they used to to land Bradley Chubb. Uh, But interesting. Draft there for the Dolphins because I do really like the, some of the guys they got. Love the A-chain pick. And when you tie that into the trades they made, uh, I think you could see the impact that that this draft class brought to the Miami Dolphins for sure. If we take this to the New England Patriots, at pick 17 overall, they take the sliding Oregon cornerback Christian Gonzalez. At pick 46 in the second round, they take Georgia Tech defensive lineman Keon White. In the third round, Sacramento State linebacker Marte Mapu. In the fourth round, a pick 107, Troy Center, Jake Andrews. In the fourth round, Maryland kicker, Chad Ryland. In the fourth round, Eastern Michigan offensive guard, Sidney So. In the fifth round, UCLA offensive guard, Antonio Maffi. In the sixth round, LSU wide receiver, Kayshawn Booty. In the sixth round, Michigan State punter, Bryce Barringer. Also in the sixth round, Liberty wide receiver, Demario Douglas. Another sixth round pick, Michigan State defensive back, Amir Speed. Seventh round, Jackson State cornerback, Isaiah Bolden. My favorite picks... You know, listen, I could have put Christian Gonzalez here too, but I left, I left that for the value pick, so I'll get there in a second. My favorite picks are Keyshawn Booty in the sixth round and Marte Mapu in the third round. I think both of these guys, I think Mapu even went a little bit earlier, so I think he was even a little bit overdrafted, but I think he's a really intriguing player who is climbing up the draft board. Uh, they... uh Dan Jeremiah had him in his, like, top 75 players. Uh, he ends up going, you know, right at, like, 76 there. So, Mapu is a guy who I'm really intrigued by his skill set. I watched him late in the process. Uh, he brings a lot to the table there. So, I like that pick there. I think I think Bill Belichick going to get the most out of him in that. And then Keishan Booty. Listen, I understood that he wasn't going to go in the first couple rounds anymore. But I still thought he was warrant the gamble in round four. You know, but I knew he was going to go a little bit later. So that's why I didn't put it as a value pick. I figured he was going to be more of a fifth, sixth round pick, but I'm willing in the sixth round. I I love that upside pick. I think, you know, he's a guy that did not mesh well with the new offense at LSU. You know, New England's had a lot of poor success in terms of. You know, finding wide receivers in the draft, especially towards the top of the draft. But, but I am, I do wonder if going in the sixth round, a little bit of a humbling experience, you get in that building where it's going to be very professional. If Kayshawn Booty buys in, you know, can we see the guy who we all thought was on the track to be, you know, a first round wide receiver, a guy who we thought was going to be a dominant player? So I, I liked the pick. I applaud it. Like I said, I could have also put Christian Gonzalez as my favorite pick because I love where they got him, but I, I kind of put him there as my value pick. Uh, I thought he belonged going in the top 10 for him to fall out of 17, for him to be the third cornerback off the board. Uh, I thought that was tremendous value. For that Kean white in the second round, I thought that was about where he he should go off the board versatile defensive lineman, so I didn't put that anywhere, but I do like that pick as well. Uh, I like some Dapery guys, you know, Sidney So and Antonio Maffi, are two guys. I'd be stunned if one of those guys doesn't become a starting, uh, you know, interior offensive lineman for the Patriots within a couple of years. So I think So and, and Maffi are two guys who were going under the radar a little bit, but had fans in the industry. Uh, I think one of them, if not both of them, could develop into a starter. My questionable moves are really great. One, a kicker in the fourth round a punter in the sixth round they wasted two of their picks I know they had a lot of picks so somebody might say if they get their starting kicker and starting punter it's worth it I get it I just still think the fourth round is too early early fourth round there were some really good players left uh, I think I, I think that's a little bit too early uh, f- for a kicker and then to come back later take a punter also in the sixth round I think you know there's good punters that can be found undrafted and then I think also that warrants going up there in terms of my questionable picks is Jake Andrews in the fourth early early fourth round almost nobody even had him as a draftable player if they did they had him as a a late you know date free pick probably like a seventh round type guy there was a lot of good centers on the board luke whipler uh Olatanwa out of Michigan. There were there was guys on the board that I thought were far superior players uh, than Jake Andrews. You know, most people did not, like I said, have Andrews anywhere near the fourth round in terms of projecting. Uh, so I thought that was a, a pick that you can question as well. And the two special teams guys, you know, going you know in round four and then again in round six. Let's take this to the New York Football Jets. Uh, In the first round, remember, they had swapped 13 to 15 in the Aaron Rodgers deal. And then 14, Pittsburgh came up and I think took who the Jets wanted, which was Broderick Jones. So that 13, 15 swap with Green Bay, I did think cost them the guy they wanted in the first round. Uh, They ended up staying there at 15 then and take Iowa State edge rusher Will McDonald. In the second round, remember, they traded one in their second rounds for Aaron Rodgers. In their other second round, uh, they got Wisconsin center Joe Tippman. In the fourth round, they they take they took offensive tackle Carter Warren out of Pittsburgh. In the fifth round, they took Pittsburgh running back Israel Abukanda. In the sixth round, they took Western Michigan linebacker Zaire Barnes. In the sixth round, they took LSU cornerback Jarek Bernard Converse. In the seventh round, they took Old Dominion tight end Zach Kuntz. My favorite pick is Joe Tippman. He was my center one in this draft class. John Michael Schmidt was right behind him. It was like a 1A, 1B situation. But I like the athleticism uh, of Tippman in terms of, you know, I think he could fit any run scheme, and I really like him on the perimeter, getting out there in a, in his own run scheme. So I just like the athleticism a little bit more. I do think John Michael Schmidt can can handle any you know run scheme just as well, whether it's zone or gap. But I just like Tippmann's overall athleticism. I know he's a little bit of a, a, a unique size at six six at the center position, but he was my favorite pick. I think they had a gaping hole at center, uh, and and Tippmann helped solidify that that, that O-line there in front now of Aaron Rodgers. Uh, in terms of value pick, I put Israel Avicanda and Zach Kuntz there, uh, Abaconda was a guy that I thought could have went off the board somewhere in round three. We saw guys like Tank Bigsby come off the board in late round three. If that was Israel Avaconda, I would, no one would have been surprised. Most people had him on that third, uh, round three, round four border. So for him to fall the fifth round of pick one fifty three, when we had other guys going in, in late round three, uh, you know, like, you know, like I said, like Tank Bigsby, uh, like Ty J Spears, who's got a lot of injury concerns. To get Israel Abakan the two rounds later, tremendous value. And then Zach Kuntz, I thought due to his athletic testing, he went, he originally was a Penn State and then switched to Old Dominion. the, The numbers he tested out were as an elite, elite athlete. I could not believe he fell to the seventh round. We saw so many tight ends come off the board, you know, round two, round three, round four. I would, I would, I can't believe Kuntz ended up falling all the way to the seventh round with that athletic testing. So Avaconda and Kuntz, two tremendous value picks. I think Avaconda by almost two full rounds. I think Kuntz by almost two full rounds. Uh, I do also like the pick of Jarek Bernard-Converse in the sixth round. A traits-based prospect from a big-time college program that tested out as an elite, elite athlete. So I do like that Bernard-Converse pick as well. And then my questionable pick is Will McDonald. And here's the thing. I really like Will McDonald. I I think He's the best, you can make the case, he's the best natural pass rusher with the best bend off the edge. But there are some limitations in terms of his size. Is he going to hold up against the run? Is he going to be a three player? You didn't see him in too many mock drafts going in the 15 range. You know, a while ago, you saw Mel Kuiper put him all the way up at eight one time post combine, but most people... Didn't even have him as a locked in first round pick. Some people had him in their round one mocks. Some people thought he was going to fall to the top of round two. The people that did have him in their round one mocks mostly had him in the the back end of round one. You know, a lot of people had connected them to the, uh, Will McDonald to the Chiefs, maybe. And that's why they went past Rusher at 31. Maybe it would have been Will McDonald if he was there. So I do think you can question it a little bit about they didn't, they lost out on the offensive tackles. Was there another player, you know, best best player available than Will McDonald? That is to be determined. They could have won Christian Gonzalez uh, if they, you know, at fifteen over Will McDonald. But Will McDonald, I think, is an explosive pass rusher with the most natural bend in the class. So I do like the player, but I do think you can question it a little bit at pick fifteen. So there it is, guys: the Miami Dolphins, Buffalo Bills, New England Patriots, and New York Jets. If I was going to rank them, I think ranking them in in this division is really hard because the different factors in terms of the trades and stuff, which is, which is hard to, to take the full picture of it. But if we're talking just for that regard, for this ranking of my favorite drafts in this draft class, I will say, uh, Bills won because I do love that double duo of Kincaid and Osiris Torrance. Uh, I would say New England, uh, Actually, I would say the Jets, two, New England, three, and then Miami, four, even though I do love uh, Devin A-Chain, uh, they just didn't have a lot of draft capital to work with. So if I'm if I'm ranking just in terms of my favorite drafts from this draft class, I think I'll mostly stick to the players that were drafted. But if you're talking about the most impact and stuff like that, that's a very separate question. Uh, and I kind of talked about you know why you have to take that into consideration, like the Jets got Aaron Rodgers and... You know, Miami got all those other players, so there's a lot of factors that in that, but in terms of the players that were picked, I think it would go Buffalo, New England, the Jets, and, and followed by Miami in terms of the players uh that were taken. So there it is, guys. The AFC East 2023 recap. If you're enjoying these, please make sure you get back. Uh, and check out the NFC East one as well. I will continue to put these out. I will also start to try to bring in guests from the industry to talk about the draft as well. Hoping to set up a rookie mock draft really soon. I know a lot of people's rookie drafts have either started or are soon to be starting over the next couple weeks as well. Again, if you're enjoying this material, please get over to the website. SS football is the fastest and easiest way to get there and you can still not too late to buy the premium notebooks. You will find a lot of value. Our rankings notebook in itself tremendous amount of, of information there that could help you in your, for your dynasty rookie drafts, uh for your dynasty leagues and then you still can get you still get the draft projections notebook with snapshot of over 400 players, uh strengths and weaknesses or developmental areas and then you get the scouting notebook which has detailed player profiles and almost 100 of the offensive skill players. So Please, it is the best way to support us and continue to help us do what we do uh, here at Saturday to Sunday. So, on behalf of our sound tech engineer, David Nakano, and myself, thank you for joining us. And we look forward next time taking you from Saturday to Sunday.